Sports Ethos New York Knicks Podcast. Andre Gallagher here. A tough, tough state of the Knicks right now. You got the fans jumping off the cliff, jumping off the bandwagon as fast as they can. Same thing happened after the Brooklyn game. The Detroit game was sandwiched in there. No one really cares if the Knicks beat Detroit because they're only 3-10. and 10. Doesn't really work that way. When you're a 500 team, they all count. You don't get to pick and choose. But as Knicks fans tend to do, they're Knicks fans, not NBA fans. Because if you were an NBA fan, you knew that OKC came into the game scoring 130 plus points per game in their last two games. There are no games that the Knicks play that they are supposed to win. That's where we are now. Every team in this league can beat this team. And they can probably beat probably 90% of the teams in the league if they play good basketball, which they're not right now. The OKC came in here and embarrassed the Knicks, and now Ian Begley reported Tom Thibodeau's seat is warm. It's warm. Deservedly so, if you ask me, but there's a little bit of circumstance here. There's a little bit of perspective that needs to be had here. You listen to Nick conversation, you would think that they're 3-10, and 10, like the Pistons, who were supposed to be better than them. Remember that? They're 6-7. and seven. They're 6-7. And, and what's troubling, what's most troubling is that people aren't looking at the record and saying, well, this is about where they're supposed to be and judging them accordingly. They're not looking at the fact that Mitchell's hurt and Grimes has been hurt, hurt this entire season for the most part. They're saying, well, this is about where they're supposed to be. They're saying, fire the coach because we don't like where we are. And I don't understand the perspective unless you focus on how they're actually playing. And this is where and what they're doing schematically from Tom Thibodeau on down. This is where the frustration is or should be for the fans and for me. It's about how they're playing. Now, the rotations aside, I don't have a big beef with the rotations. You see a lot of people questioning whether or not why Grimes isn't playing. Grimes isn't playing because he's been hurt. That's why he's not playing. You can't criticize Tom Thibodeau for running players into the ground and then criticize him for bringing a player on along slowly. You don't think he wants to play the best defender on the team? Of course he does. He's hurt. What do you want? So I don't have a big problem with the rotations. Quickly is not playing well every single night offensively, but he's playing well from a floor game standpoint. And I've been saying that all season long. And I got nothing but respect for him. When he was point of attack on Shy in the fourth quarter, he gave him the blues. And Cam did the same thing. But the intensity wasn't there the entire game. And that's what's troubling. And that's what should be troubling. And to me, it doesn't start at Tom Thibodeau, uh, Thibodeau because this is these are not high school kids. It doesn't start there. I'm not saying he's not to blame. I'm saying it doesn't start there. It starts with the leaders of the team. R.J. Barrett. Julius Randle, and to Julius's credit, his attitude has been much better this year, and he deserves credit for that. He's worked on it a lot. You see, he's doing meditation, yoga. People come clown him, but I respect him. It's not easy to do. But why don't you contest shots at the rim? Why don't you box out consistently? Why don't you contest shots consistently? Why are you always watching shots? 
He has the best seat in the house. He's not always there when the rotations need to be there. He's not always there. Is that is, is he the only problem? No, he's not. But he's the leader of the team. I don't care what you say about R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson. He's the leader because he's the energy leader of the team. He can suck the energy out of the room or he can bring it. When Julius Randle is intense defensively, he is a monster. He's part-time in it most of the time. And then he comes down court. Listen, Julius Randle in the last five games, say what you want to say about him. His numbers, 26 points per game, nine rebounds, three assists, 50% field goal, 40, 44% from three, 83% from the line. But if you're watching the games, you're frustrated. You don't like the shots that he takes. You don't like the decisions he makes. You don't like the rotations he doesn't make. Julius Randle is a serious problem on this team. I don't deny it. I understand why he's playing. A friend of mine asked a question. I just sit Julius Randle down. There are statistical arguments for sitting Julius Randle down. But then when you see Julius Randle play, actually play the way he's supposed to play, you realize that he's a difference on the court. Compared to his backup, Obi Toppin, who sometimes is not the difference on the court. Who can disappear. If we saw the best of Obi Toppin every time he was on the floor, and he's all over the place, then you can say, okay, play him over Julius. Just sit Julius down. But you're going to play Julius regardless. You don't have a backup power forward. He's playing. And if he's playing, he's going to, he's going to show you that he can do things that are going to help you win. And then you're going to be mad at the 10 possessions where he decides he doesn't want to play. And this is where Tom Thibodeau is a hypocrite because he set R.J. Barrett down because he didn't have it going last night. He doesn't. He's never sits Julius Randle down like that. He never does. you got to be fair. And I've been saying that. Go listen back to the old episodes. I've been saying that. Everybody plays. Everybody earns their playing time on this team except for Julius Randle. He just plays. He just plays. And I think, I think Tom Thibodeau is addicted to him. I, just, I think he's addicted to the high that Julius Randle can bring. Because when he brings it, spurts of the game, when he brings it, he is a difference maker. When he's under the basket in a Nixon scramble mode, trying to win a game, and all of a sudden he's like, mm, let me go under the basket and try to get offensive rebounds and putbacks. He changes the game when he's down there. He puts it away or he keeps him in it. Nah, nah. He, the rest of the game, he's going to stand outside. Listen. Nobody cares if you're hitting jump shots on the other team. It doesn't matter. All right? There's two reasons why it doesn't matter. Let me explain. One, he's been historically a poor three-point shooter. So he's kind of in a mix right now between updated game plans, saying, oh, Julius is hot right now, maybe not give him the shot, possibly. And team saying, okay, he's hot. Let's just you know, scare him off the shot a little bit. The problem is Julius doesn't read the game. He prefabricates what he's going to do when he catches it. I'm going to shoot it no matter what. So if they do close out on him, he doesn't attack the closeout. He doesn't get downhill, go into the rim, create offense for other people. He doesn't do it, not consistently enough. I'm not saying he doesn't create offense for other people. I'm saying if some silly fool goes out there and contests Julius Randle at the three-point line, Julius Randle will not pull the ball down and drive to the basket and create or finish. He won't do it. And he crawls when he drives. He cr- he's, he's constantly in a crawl. 
He's constantly in a crab dribble all the time. Because he can't dribble. I don't know. He doesn't have feeling in one side of his hands. I don't understand why he can't dribble like a normal NBA player. Why can't you pump fake and, and attack and attack the top foot like everybody else in the league on a hard contest? Like everyone else does to us. Why can't you do it? Instead, you just shoot over them. That's not a good shot. It's not a good shot. It's a bad shot. It's an emotion-draining, energy-draining shot. When somebody just raises up and shoots over somebody for no reason. Early in the shot clock. All right, you're making them. Teams do it to us. Okay, but they do it inside out. It's a whole different energy to three-point shots when it's inside out. There's data out there that points to shooters being better when a ball is coming from the direction of the rim as opposed to from the direction of the perimeter, anywhere on the perimeter. Sight lines, however you want it, however you want to explain it. Attacking the basket and spraying out is a better shot for your team across the board. Floor balance, everything under the sun. It's not a good shot when the ball is being swung around the perimeter and you just raise up. With somebody standing right there. And it's just hit or miss based on whether or not you're hot tonight. And that's how he starts a lot of these games. That's how he plays for large spurts of these games. And then it's like, hmm, maybe I should go into the basket. No, it's too late. You should have been done that. And if you had done it in the beginning, the teams would have adjusted and would have created opportunities for other people. I'm telling you, it starts with him. It starts with him. The next issue defensively, that's when you start getting to... R.J. Barrett and Tom Thibodeau. R.J. Barrett gets lost off the ball. He gets lost on the ball screens. I don't know how much of this is schematic and how much of this is just lazy defense. There is no reason why you should be going over the screen on Josh Giddy. I don't care how good he is. I love Josh Giddy. He's a better shooter than you think he is. He's a better shooter than he was last year. He's still not a great shooter. You don't go over the screen on Josh Giddy so he can put you in jail on drop coverage, and you have no options. You have no way to stop him because he's so much taller than your point guards and whoever's guarding him. And R.J. Barrett's guarding him, you are lost. He's not doing anything. R.J. Barrett's one of these defenders that chases hips. Don't chase hips. Get back in front. Stop being content just getting back to the hip of a guy. Get back in front of him so the whole defense doesn't have to collapse to protect you. No reason you should be going over the screen on Josh Giddy. You shouldn't even be going over the screen on SGA. As good as he is, he doesn't take a lot of threes. Go underneath. And I understand that some of these screens are kind of slick. They don't really set it, and they kind of slide towards the basket. So if you're going underneath, you get stuck on the slide. Listen, get stuck on the slide then. Don't just let the guy go every single time, downhill, full speed. It's not full speed every time. I mean, let me not, let me not exaggerate. They just trap you. I've been talking about getting trapped on drop coverage since the Atlanta game. Maybe even the preseason. It's not the best way to guard these guys. The book is out. You got to adjust. I didn't get a chance to see the game live. I watched a little bit of the replay. Got sick. Then I watched the whole game again. I did it for work. I did it for the show. And I fully expected to jump down Tom Thibodeau's throat. And listen, I'm not going to take... Listen, I got I got plenty for him now. But when you watch that game and you see how OKC shot the ball, they shot 62% from the field and 54% from three. That's not just bad defense. That's not just bad defense. 
They out there shooting practice shots. They don't care about your defense. Listen, the narrative is going to be in New York because of the way New York media is, because the comment, the way the commentators are. They're just going to call every shot an open shot, and statistically, they are open shots. You got to be in somebody. You have to be a couple feet in front of somebody for it not to be open. And a lot of those shots were open shots. Don't get me wrong, but some of them were not. Some of them were shot by guys who aren't great shooters, and they were knocking them down. And this has become a thing. And I told you this. Teams know they're going to get open shots against this team. Now, the book is out. They're not concerned about the contest. Guys can run at them, and it's not going to make a difference. They are comfortable. They know where the shots are coming from. And it's coming from the eye line in the basket every single time because they let people inside the paint. There was a play in the first quarter. Giddy came around. A sc- I think it was Giddy who came around the screen or SGA. And... They, they turned the corner right inside the three-point line, right before the free-throw line. RJ came from around the screen, got back in front, a rarity. But Brunson came from the wing to cut him off, too. And the ball got shut out to Brunson's man. That's the play I've been talking about. I've been worried about. You can't do that. If you're going to do it, you got to get back before the pass is thrown. Teams know you're going to do it, and they pass it, and they shoot it without hesitation because they know you're not going to be able to beat the ball there and do anything to contest the shot over a player who's probably taller than Brunson. If he's going to shoot over, he has to shoot over and get back before the pass is thrown. That's across the board. That's the only way they can make this defense work, and it's not even going to work because you can't let people inside the paint as often as the Knicks do. And unlike the Brooklyn game where they got worried, we should talk about where they got the doors blown off, embarrassed, another team that attacked the Knicks with pace, sped the Knicks up, whereas the Knicks will come down and make sure that Julius gets to have the ball where he can move around and blah, 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 do whatever he wants with it. These teams are attacking with pace. They're moving the ball quickly. They're attacking closeouts. They're keeping you on skates. That's how teams are getting by you. They get a step on you, and as soon as you slide over from somewhere else to cut them off, they kick it out the three. It's the same book every time. The same book. At some point, at some point, you have to change what you're doing defensively. You have to. Right now, the Knicks are, in the last five games, they are dead last in opponent's field goal percentage. Dead last. These are all last five game stats. Third to last, an opponent three-point shooting percentage. Third to last. Fourth to last in three-point attempts. On the season, the Knicks are eighth in opponent's field goal percentage. That was from being six a few games ago. Now, what has been missing the last five games? Oh, I don't know. Maybe that guy, Mitchell Robinson, that people didn't want to play because they like Hartenstein so much. What did I say? Mitchell does things that Hartenstein doesn't do. Mitchell is the whole anchor to this defense. But listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put this all on Mitchell's injury. It's a factor because the teams that they played aren't necessarily better than the teams that they played before he was hurt. Who have they played in the last five games? Brooklyn, Detroit, OKC, Minnesota, and Boston. You know Boston's whole world. Brooklyn had been playing better. I told you Brooklyn was playing better. I told you they had the best defense 
in the league over the prior three games or whatever it was at the time. From the change of Kyrie, combination of Kyrie and uh, Jacques Vaughn. I'm not going to get into it. It's not a Brooklyn podcast. But I told you they were playing better and they have been playing better. They've been busting people up a little bit. So I knew that game wasn't going to be easy, but the Knicks weren't ready to play. They didn't have the right intensity. The point is, though, the last five games, Sands, Boston, they haven't been playing the top five teams in the league like they did in the beginning of the schedule when Mitchell was playing. So how is it that the defense is so so much worse than it was before? If it doesn't have anything to do with Mitchell. Of course it has something to do with Mitchell. Of course it does. Still not an excuse. Still not an excuse, but for those of you who didn't want Mitchell to play, now you're seeing why Mitchell needed to play. You're getting a taste. I'm not putting it all in his lap. Let's not get crazy about it, but you're getting a taste. You saw OKC come in here, and they're talking trash. SGA is just another player that has a bone to pick with the Knicks. Knicks passed him up in the draft. The Knicks were one of the few teams that he gave a private workout to, and they still passed him up in the draft. That front office is no longer here. But you know he got a bone to pick. He might want out of OKC. He might want to come here. He wants to put on a show, and he did. Giddy put on a show against the Knicks last year when he wasn't even playing all that well, and he came out here and dominated. These guys want to put on a show against the Knicks, and the Knicks don't face it. They don't fight fire with fire. And that's the stuff that you got to be pissed off about, not the record. The record, they are who you thought they were. Stop acting like this team is a championship-caliber team, and they're embarrassing themselves every night. You guys don't watch the rest of the league, man. Teams lose. The Pacers beat the Raptors. The Raptors lost to OKC. The Raptors are better than... Oh, Siakam's not playing. Okay, well, you know what? The Knicks are not as good as Toronto without Siakam. This is a 500 team. Stop getting mad at them for being 500. But you can get mad at them for their effort. You can get mad at Thibodeau for his defensive strategies. And this is the stuff that I want to see more focus on. Stop focusing on, oh, they lost to OKC. OKC's not a bad team. They want to be a bad team, but they're not. 130 points in the prior two games. What are you talking about? Acting like they're supposed to lose. OKC's ahead of Golden State Warriors in the standings. And the Timberwolves. Come on. 6-17. OKC came out here and smacked the Knicks in the mouth, coaching staff included. Ran with pace. The Knicks need to take a page out of their book and play with that same pace instead of thinking, oh, we got to make sure we get the ball to Julius and uh, make sure RJ gets his shots. Play with pace. You saw it in the preseason. They stressed it. They stressed it. They stressed it. You still see a little bit of it, but it keeps dying out. Yeah, a little bit every game dying out. And you know why? Because, um, one, Julius takes terrible shots. Instead of getting downhill with his big, fast, strong athletic game he settles for the jumper and he's shooting well right now great well let's not see that jump off the dribble like a Jason Tatum stop it but hey maybe he's building up his trade value that's what the Knicks hey the Knicks maybe don't have to attach a draft pick to get rid of Randall if he keeps playing like this great for them great for them there are just too many things on the court that he's not doing that's hurting the team. The team doesn't have a lot of margin for error. And if you're going to play that many minutes, you have to be solid. And that's the problem with him. He's not solid across the board. He does things, good things, and the Knicks need, but he's not solid across the board. And neither is Obi. 
You cannot underscore how the games are playing out. What's going on the court? It's going on on the court. I told you that's what I'm looking at. I'm not just looking at the wins and the losses. It's how the wins and losses are coming about because that's what's lasting for this team. This roster as it is right now, that's not what this team is going to be next year. It might not be what this team is in two months, in a month. December 15th is coming up. A lot of teams are going to start trading around that time. But some of these bad habits from players that are going to be here, from the coaching staff that might be here, that's what you need to focus on. They need to take a page out of OKC's book and play with the pace that they did. Sharing the ball the way they did. Not holding on to it at all. They basically play the way Tom wants to play. So when you criticize Tom Thibodeau, keep in mind that he wants to play the way OKC played. And as we criticize the Knicks defense in this game, and it deserves criticism for the last five games especially, keep in mind that they scored 135 points. This is the team that, oh, yeah, poor spacing with Mitchell Robinson and Jalen Brunson is not going to work and blah, 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 and Randall. 135 points. As much as you're going to talk about how bad the defense is, understand they split 135 points on the board to stay in this game. Unlike the Brooklyn game where they were hapless. They kept scoring, 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 trying to keep up. And they played with a lot of pace to do it. And you can thank Quickly and Cam for that. And Cam was a bright spot last night along with Quickly. And you even saw some pick and roll action with Cam on the ball. Something that you hadn't seen most of the season. They had kind of stuck Cam in the corner since the regular season started. And I told you he's not comfortable there. Not getting anything out of him there. And frankly, can we just can I just say Cam's comfort? OKC is playing like 15 people in and out of the lineup every day. You got guys like Trey Mann that can put 15 to 18 on the board every day in his league right now. He's barely playing. All these guys came in this game. Playing a couple minutes, hitting their shots, playing, looking real comfortable out there. Looking real comfortable. So Cam got to be a pro. He's got he's got to be a pro. For those of you that want to hold his hand and say, well, he needs more playing time and he needs blah, blah. He's got to be a pro. Just like these guys on OKC who are barely playing, they come in and they shoot the lights out. You got to do the same thing. This is not the game to pick on Cam because he played well last night. He maybe didn't have the intensity the whole game, much like the rest of the team, but he played well. He played SGA well. He played good defense. He had a nice little stat line. Like I said, he got a little pick and roll action on the ball. That might have got him going a little bit. He attacked all he attacked from the weak side, something he wasn't doing very much. The ball would find him. If he didn't have if he didn't have the three-point shot, he would just pass it. When he did attack, it was some disjointed, flailing attack. He was much stronger going to the rim. So keep in mind, when you talk about Tom Thibodeau, again, we can criticize him all day long. He didn't trade for Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish got here, and now Cam Reddish got to play. Cam Reddish got to be the guy that you traded for. You want him to play Cam Reddish? He's playing Cam Reddish. He's got to be the guy you traded for. He's got to be the guy that you all think he is. Because if he isn't, and he's getting minutes, Tom Thibodeau is the one who's taking the arrows. Three guys that need to be on the floor at all times, exaggerating quickly, Grimes, Cam. They're the best on-the-ball defenders on the team, and now you need that. There's no scheme that Tom Thibodeau is going to come up with that's going to keep teams that's going to keep teams from shooting 62% from the field, 54% from three. These guys are just comfortable now. They got you figured out. I don't know how many times I got to say it. You got to switch it up. 
And part of that is making people uncomfortable, getting up into their space. Instead of just gliding, coasting across across the floor while you're defending them, you got to get in their bodies. That's not, that's not something you're seeing from RJ. That's something you're seeing from Randall unless he's trying to foul. If you ever see him get real physical and aggressive and happy feet and happy hands, trying to prove that he's playing intense defense, and then he just starts pushing people. Those three guys got to play 30 minutes a game. I don't care. And Brunson, listen, he's got, you find minutes for Brunson. Because on offense, you, you're not getting anywhere without Brunson playing. You're not. He's playing too well. His defense is not great. Nobody cares when he's contesting. No one cares when he's defending them. That's just where we are right now. Quickly, Cam. Grimes, they've got to play 30 minutes a game. And Grimes obviously is still coming back from injury, but they've got to play 30 minutes a game. 30 minutes. Take your lumps with quickly not shooting well. Take your lumps with Cam not shooting well and playing well offensively because defensively, you need them. It's conceivable that the Knicks are going to lose every game on the upcoming road trip. It's conceivable. It wouldn't even be crazy. Utah, Denver, Golden State, Phoenix, OKC on the road. Keep going. Portland at home. Memphis at home. They can lose every single one of these games. And they probably will. If you don't see them make changes again, just like the Atlanta game. You have to make changes. And they made them. They got better. Now they got to make some more. Mitchell might be back in the next few days. I'm seeing reports he might be back in the next few days. That'll help. But Mitchell can't guard Joker. He's going to come back. If he comes back in that game, he's going to sit right back down. He can't guard him. So, might as well not even bring him back. Just take your lumps. And Denver knows exactly how to attack this Nick team. I mentioned I mentioned that early in one of the early episodes. Denver was doing the same thing that OKC and Boston did to the Knicks. And Brooklyn did to the Knicks. Denver did that to them last year and the year before. They don't hesitate. They know those shots are going to be there. They don't hesitate. The whole league knows. Tom Thibodeau's defensive strategy, they call it Jedi defense. You're just giving up three-point shots and people just miss them. Now, there's some debate about it. I think the debate is they miss them because they're being contested in a way that's not really registering as a contest. I think when you are running, you ever see Draymond Green run out to contest a jump shot? He comes out there scary as hell. You ever see Julius Randle desperately try to contest a jump shot? It looks very much like Draymond Green. It's just you only see it once every five years. When you are really intense and committed to defense, you go and you contest like that. You contest like that, you're going to speed people up. But you got to get in people's bodies. You got to knock them off balance. You got to make those passes out a little bit slower, a little bit more hurried. You have to keep people guessing. Double team. How come you never blitz the pick and roll? Never blitz it. Never once. He never does it. Double team somebody. Do something else. Stop letting people get lit up and then saying they got to execute better. You got to execute better. This road trip can spell doom for Tom Thibodeau, and I wouldn't even be too upset about it. It would be a little unfair, though. You gave them a 500 team, and they're about a 500 team right now. They got a chance to do everything you thought they were going to do this season. Still, they are no worse right now than they were when the season started. I'm not talking about literally with the record. 
I'm talking about your prospects coming into this season were for this team to compete in compete maybe for the last playoff spot and be a playing team. They are no worse than that right now. They're in the playing right now. They're one game below 500 right now. And you want to fire the coach. Keep some perspective. I don't disagree with why, but keep some perspective. If you're the front office, you're firing the coach when he's 6-7 and seven and currently the ninth seed in the conference when that's what your expectation for this roster was, that's on you. That's ridiculous. At least let him have Grimes. Play his minutes. Get healthy. At least let him have Mitchell and see what's what. But, but, on the other hand, I'm not mad because if I don't see a pick and roll blitz, if I don't see a different coverage, a hedge and recover or on the pick and roll instead of drop coverage every time, if I don't start seeing you go underneath the screen on guys who are not known to light it up when you go underneath the screen from three, I want to fire you too. But I keep telling my, my Nick fans, friends, who want to talk Knicks, I'm going to have a couple of them on the show. I keep telling them, if you knew this team was a 500 team coming in the season, why are you getting mad at watching them be a 500 team? That's ridiculous. Why do you want to fire the coach for being a 500 team coach when you gave him a 500 team? But he's got to do his job, though. And we'll keep our eyes out and we'll keep seeing if he's doing it. I personally, I'd give the Knicks until December. If they keep riding this, they could easily lose five, six, seven games in a row right now. And Tom Thibodeau's not going to survive that. But if they can even come close to 500, if we just look at the next seven games, let's just look at the next seven games. That's Utah, Denver, Golden State, Phoenix, OKC, Portland, Memphis. And they have Detroit after that. But let's just say those seven games. That's tough. That's tough. That's five on the road. If they can go... If they can go two and let's say three. Let's if they can go three and four, you leave Tom Thibodeau alone. I'm not gonna say which maybe they can beat Portland at home. Maybe they can beat Memphis at home. Utah, fifth best record in the Western Conference right now. Fifth best record in the league, I think. Not the Western Conference. That team, that's a good team. They're playing very well. I think it's a team the Knicks can beat. I don't think it's a Knicks a team the Knicks should beat, but I think they can beat them. They, I don't think they can beat Denver if Joker plays. They have no answers for Joker. That's a loss. They have no answers for Steph Curry. I think they can maybe beat Phoenix. I'm not saying they're better than Phoenix. I think they can maybe beat Phoenix. I had a chance to beat Phoenix last year when they played Phoenix on the road. So I'm not saying three and four with any, and then I'm saying Portland and Memphis at home. I'm not saying this with any confidence. I'm saying you're going to leave Tom Thibodeau alone if he goes three and four. I think maybe you leave him alone if he goes two and five. And if he comes back and he beats Detroit at Detroit, if he's two and five and he comes back and he wins that game and he's three and five, you got to leave him alone. Got to leave him alone. But I really do think you have to wait until until December 15th, mid-December, end of December, and see what trades are available for this team. Because if they can get Fournier gone, especially, I think that helps this roster. I think it, it opens up minutes for the guys. It gives guys a chance to know where their minutes are coming from. You hear a lot of ex-NBA players talk about knowing where their minutes are coming from, knowing what their role is. I think you see a lot of clarity if Fournier is not playing. And the way he quickly played last night, he played very well. 
But I'm a little troubled by it. I'm not going to lie to you. Because you saw a lot of aggression from him offensively, something that you have not been seeing. He hasn't played well offensively, but you haven't seen him be aggressive shooting the ball, going to the basket, any of that. But you saw that last night or yesterday, and that was the same day stories started popping out that there were teams around the league calling about IQ. And now all of a sudden he ticks up on his aggression? I don't like that at all. I don't like it at all. Now you now you get your head out of your butt? Mm-mm. To, in fairness, he's he's been a plus on the court. Only him and Cam have been a plus on the court. Throughout this entire little streak of games, the last five games where the Knicks have been giving up a zillion points, 30-point loss here, giving up 145 against OKC, only Cam and IQ are in the plus right now. Cam is still in the plus. IQ is barely in the plus. Those guys got to play. They've got to play. Pound those minutes into those guys. That's Tom Thibodeau's only chance. That and switching up defensively and just being a little bit more creative. I can sit here and nitpick the offense, but 135 points, you got to have perspective. The Knicks averaged the same amount of points OKC did, 113 points per game. You can sit here and pick on the Knicks and oh, do this, Julius Randle, blah, blah, blah. We can do that all day long, and I'll do it right there with you. But at the end of the day, they're averaging 113 points per game. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what you want. If you're watching the league, then you know the teams have ups and downs, and they have players that take shots that their guys don't like, their team, their fans don't like. You you know that. Keep some perspective. They're scoring a good bit of points per game, a good bit. And I can sit there and I can criticize just like everybody else. That's not where you want to spend a whole lot of your energy. 113 points per game is what they went into last game with. Let's see where they're at now. They're 12th in the league. 115 points per game. I don't know what you... you listen, I don't know what you want. <laughs> you know, let's not, let's not focus on them offensively right now. I don't love everything they do. They're low in field goal percentage. They're next to last in field goal percentage from three. Uh, their field goal percentage from two right now. Let's see where it is. It probably went up after yesterday. They're 24th in the bottom of the league. And they're still scoring a bunch of points. So, yeah, we can sit here and nitpick on the efficiency. And they should do this and they should do that. And it would definitely help them win more games. Or at least be more competitive in some of these games. Like the Brooklyn game. Where it seemed like they couldn't make a shot. Couldn't get anything going. But but by far, the problem is defense. You can get offense from defense, get stops, get out in transition, attack teams, attack teams when without their defense set. There's something to be said for that. It starts with defense. He's a defensive coach. I'm not breaking new ground here, but let's go, Tom. Figure it out. Utah beats people schematically. They beat people with hustle and smart basketball, backdoor plays and slick little misdirections. Uh, the Knicks aren't good at that. <laughs> they're just not. They're not good at that. But I think if Utah is off, if they're not hitting all their jumpers, and after this effort against against OKC, you might see an uptick in, in intensity across the board for this team. They might catch Utah off guard. But Utah also has a guy in Colin Sexton that has another bone to pick against the team. He hasn't been lightening it up. I bet you he's going to try to light it up against the Knicks. I bet you he is. 
But we'll be here. We'll be here. We'll try to get a couple shows in this week, talk about where they are, see if there's any progress. It's never fun talking about a losing team because Nick fans act like they act like they're 0 and 11. 0 and 0 and 13. That's the way they act. But there are legitimate complaints that need to be had and discussed, and we'll do it here. Make sure you go to sportsethos.com at sportsethos on Twitter at Ethos Knicks on Twitter. Come follow us during the games. Until next time.